Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Billy, and I'll be doing the scripture reading for today. Today's verse comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 from the NIV. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over with words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornments, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold, jewelry, or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to, used to adorn themselves. They submit themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. The word of God. That wasn't me. (laughs) We good now? You can hear me? Hello? Testing? There we go. Great. Well, join me in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts today be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, just last Saturday, on October 7th, last Saturday, yeah, the people of Israel were on the last day of their Jewish festival, uh, Sukkot, um, and these sirens echoed right before dawn throughout the country, and they quickly realized that this was not a false alarm. Uh, A full-fledged surprise attack, as if you haven't heard yet, uh, happened by the Hamas militants, and they invaded uh, Israel from air, sea, and ground in a music festival that was right on the border near uh, the Gaza Strip, where thousands of young Israelis, uh, men and women, were dancing and celebrating and just having like a concert and that kind of thing throughout the night. They danced into the morning hours. Um, That 3,000 people became a shooting gallery for Hamas militants, uh, where uh, here's uh, the aftermath of their trying to escape their cars. And about 260 partygoers were killed and more were abducted and taken back into Gaza. Now, Hamas leaders are threatening to kill these uh, people they've abducted uh, unless uh, Israel meets their demands. But since the attack, uh, Israel has been bombing locations in Gaza Strip. Here's one picture. With many civilians being killed as well, as as, as well as Hamas fighters. Now, the Palestinian people cannot flee the Gaza Strip because they are pretty much cordoned in there. And so they can just shuffle around. And, uh, and this, the estimated total of people dead, including both sides, is around almost 3,600 people right now. We see wars in the world, and it's always ugly and heartbreaking when we hear the, the stories on both sides. And with Israel now at war with Hamas, uh, that makes a total of 33 conflicts that are going, ongoing in the world right now. That's 33, uh, ranging from wars 
like with Israel and Hamas, uh, Ukraine and Russia, uh, drug wars, terrorist insurgencies, ethnic conflicts, and civil wars. 33 going on in our world today. And the people caught in these conflicts suffer greatly. Uh, men, women, children, elderly, people with special needs, handicapped, uh, they all suffer so much in many ways when they're caught in this conflict. And I bring this up because in 1 Peter, this is a letter that was written around the 60 AD, um, you know, about 30 years-ish after Jesus was uh, crucified and rose from the dead. And it was written to, if you remember, to Christian churches that were spread out through Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey. And these people were facing persecution for their faith, and they were suffering in so many ways on so many different levels in, in their societies because they were identified as followers of Jesus. And the Apostle Peter, who wrote this letter back then, wrote this to encourage them as followers of Jesus in their suffering, to think of themselves as foreigners, as exiles in this world, and to hang in there and remember the living hope they had in Christ Jesus because this was only temporary. They had a much better future to come. And so this was an encouraging letter. So then the question is, why did Peter then give instructions to wives and husbands here in this part of the letter? How is this an encouragement to them who are suffering, right? And how does this apply to those of us here today that are not married, that are single? Uh, and, and how does this connect with suffering? Well, to answer these questions, uh, we need to remember the broader context of this letter in 1 Peter. And remember last Sunday when Pastor Paul spoke uh, on the second part of 1 Peter chapter 2, about living in submission, and, and, and this whole idea of submission was entered in through this uh, by Peter, the author. And there were these commands that we read last week. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. And then another command. Submit in reverent fear of God. Submit your, I mean, so slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. And then further on in that chapter, Verses 20 and 21. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. In the same way means in the same way as Jesus who suffered for us, who submitted himself to the human authorities of his day even though he was living God incarnate, and he suffered under their injustice because he was innocent, and yet he submitted himself to the human authorities. And he did this even though he had the power to stop that injustice to himself. He did this for you and me. In a sense, he submitted himself to our needs, our need for a savior, our need for a redeemer, our need for a way out of our slavery to sin. And so that is why he came. And we are in the same way to submit ourselves to the human authorities of this world. Jesus submitted himself. And this is the amazing grace of God given to the people of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the good news that our Lord Jesus submitted himself 
to come to this world and die for us and make a way, a pathway for our redemption. And this is why the qualifying phrases are part of those commands that we just looked at in chapter 2. Just to look back at them. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. And then slaves, the other one, slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to masters. So the point here is that in submitting ourselves to every human authority and slaves submitting to their masters, it is on our part, it's because it's for the Lord's sake, it's in a reverent fear of God, it is really an act of worship that we do for the Lord, our God, whom we follow. When we submit ourselves to human authorities, it is an act of worship. It is out of our submission to our Lord God that we are doing so. And and we do so in the same way that Christ submitted himself and suffered innocently in the way of, for the way to, of salvation for us. So all this is in context of this. Peter then commands wives and husbands really to submit to each other in different ways, in the same way as Christ Jesus. But at this point, don't tune out. If you're here and you're not married, uh, don't tune out because this is saying to wives and husbands because the qualities that are mentioned here for both wives and husbands um, are qualities that we, as people of God, can look for in a potential spouse. So tune in to this. But I am not saying, I don't want to qualify, I'm not saying that it is God's will for all of us to eventually get married because that is not necessarily. I mean, God calls us all to be single at some point in our lives, and for some of us, he calls us to be single for our whole life. And there is no condemnation for those who remain single for their whole lives. No, because singles are very important to the church community. So keeping all this in mind, let's get into the text today of 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. So the first command is very uh, obvious. Wives, submit to your husbands. Chapter 3 starts, and I'll read these first two verses again. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that and if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. So wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands should probably never remind their wives of this command. <laughs> you know, it's getting pretty bad if you say, wife, submit to your husband. <laughs> right? But this is the truth of God. Wives, submit to your husbands. This is from the Spirit of God being said to us as his church. Uh, to be submissive means to place oneself below another person out of respect. And that is expressed in obedience that's appropriate to that relationship. All right? Unfortunately, submission today is seen as a negative word. Right? And you think of submission, you're like, oh, <laughs> whatever. Now, this is because the abuse of power from those in authority that is more common, and also the sinful rebellion of those under authority that we see so often in the world. And so submission is negative, and it's mainly because of our sinful pride because we do not like to be in submission to anyone. We don't like it. We fight it. And especially to our Lord, our Lord God. We fight that because of our sinfulness. 
We don't like that word submission. We want to be like God. We want to be in control of our lives. I want to make my decisions, you know, on my own without consulting any higher authority or including anybody else in that decision. And this is what motivated Adam and Eve in the very beginning. That simple command to do not eat of the one tree. (laughs) And they wanted to be like God, and they did it. So Peter here is addressing Christian wives because he's writing to what? The Christian community scattered throughout, right? So he's, these are people who are believers, followers in Jesus, and these are women who have come to Christ and their husbands did not yet, right? So he's giving them this instruction from the Lord. And many of them had unbelieving husbands, and, and in those days, wives were expected to obey their husbands, especially in religious practices of the family, And this was just the culture of that day. And so when a wife became a follower of Jesus and their husband was not, you can imagine it created a problem in the family and tension, especially in respect to family religious practices. And so therefore, Christian wives were called here to witness to their unbelieving husbands through their submission, their purity, their reverence of their lives in Christ Jesus. And Christian wives probably experienced great hardship because of their following Christ. Um, But Peter encouraged them to submit to their husbands, to win over their unbelieving husbands by, through their submission to their unbelieving husband, their reverence and their purity of their living according to what Christ has called them to live. Now, Peter explained what he meant by purity and reverence of their lives in verses 3 and 4. He goes on and he says, your beauty, this is to the wives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. So, men of God, this is the quality of a woman of God whom we, that we should be looking for in a potential spouse. All right, so this is not saying that women should not dress up ever or wear elaborate hairstyles or jewelry. No, that's not what it's saying here. What it means is that a woman's beauty rather comes from inside their hearts and their quiet and confident, gentle spirit in the fact that they are a child of God in Christ Jesus and that they have confidence in their identity and who they are in Christ. So if you think you're loud and boisterous and whatever, that's okay. That's not saying that you should be quiet, (laughs) gentle. No, it's that spirit, that inner spirit of that confidence you have in Christ Jesus. And boy, that is beautiful. I mean, that should turn us on, guys. Turn us on. And... um, The contrast here is rather than living loudly through your outward appearance of what you wear and what you your your way you dress up as like to be attractive in the sense of trying to draw people to yourself. No, you have that confidence inside, and the outward adornment is just like art. There's nothing wrong with wearing nice clothes and having nice elaborate haircuts and whatever it is, but that's not your identity. It's not what is being addressed here. Your identity and your worth. To God is your inner spirit. So that, that's what's being talked about here. You know, during our Wednesday life group, Frank Sang, who's here today, truthfully said, kind of funny, as you get older, all you got left is your inner beauty. 
You know, the unfading inner beauty of a woman is that they stand firm in their identity and who they are as a child of God. Now, often husbands and wives struggle for control of the family, of leadership. Who has the final say, right? And uh, that's very worldly in their thinking. Sometimes the problem is that uh, I find often the husbands are too passive. They're very hands-off on the leadership of the family. Like, they'll just put all the weight on the wives, and they don't want to, you know, they're just kind of couch potatoes or whatever when it comes to making those decisions. Um, Some husbands have literally left their families to the wives and very hands-off. And I heard a story that illustrates this. We're in heaven. There's two lines. One line for the dominant, aggressive husbands. And one line for the submissive, passive husbands. And the line for the submissive, passive husbands is as long and far as you can see. In the dominant husband line, there's one guy. And he's small, he's frail, and he looks anything but like a dominant husband. So the angel's really curious. So he walks over to the guy and he says, how come you're over here in this line? He goes, oh, uh, my wife told me to stand over here. (laughs) When Christian wives willingly submit to their believing husbands, it's only a great encouragement to them to take leadership more so in the functioning of the family, especially spiritual leadership. When Christian wives willingly submit to their unbelieving husbands, it can create many opportunities for them to know of Christ or be drawn to the reverence of your life, the purity of the way you live for Christ. No guarantee that they'll come to Christ, but can create that, that opportunity there. All right, so Peter then moves on to address husbands in verse 7. He writes, husbands in the same way, see, in the same way, be considerate as you live. With your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of their gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So, simply the command here is husbands be considerate. Now, Peter was addressing again believing husbands, Christian husbands, with probably Christian wives or maybe not Christian wives. It, it, it really applies to both situations here to be considerate of their wives. Now, to be considerate. Think about it. What does that mean, to be considerate? It means to have regard for the needs, the feelings, the opinions, being thoughtful of another person, being considerate, (laughs) or deliberately trying to understand them and their perspective, their point of view. So that would probably mean you need to do some listening in this process of being considerate, right? The quality of a man of God is this quality, I mean, is what women of God should be looking for in a potential spouse. A man who is considerate. Because those of us who follow Jesus, we're being transformed into Christ-likeness. And so we will become more and more considerate of those around us, especially those who are really important to us. It would be our girlfriend or our wife. And so look for that quality, women of God, in a man as a potential spouse. Um, this is described as well in Philippians 2.4, this whole idea of being considerate, not looking to your own interests, but each of you sh- to the interests of others. You know, husbands are in trouble when they only see their wives through their own perspective and from their own needs perspective. And they're not considering their, their wives' 
in any way. And here's how some women, there was a survey that one pastor did from women in his church, and he said, you know, what does a considerate husband do? Can you describe it? And here's some of the things they said. He cares about my friends. And when he chooses to spend time with me over his buddies, when I had a bad day, when he lets me vent instead of correcting me after the first sentence, when he is patient with me, he includes me when making decisions. He consults me and takes to heart what I suggest. So you hear this consideration there in these. There's a story of a man who went to his pastor uh, for counseling, and he took along with him pages of all these complaints he had about his wife. And so after listening to this guy for hours, the pastor finally asked, if she's that bad, then why did you marry her in the first place? And the guy responded, like barked back. He said, well, she wasn't like that at first. And then the pastor, unable to contain himself any longer, he said the following. He said, so are you saying that she's like this because she married you? (laughs) You know, see, this is where husbands often fail is when husbands are focused on their own feelings and they're not considerate of the feelings of their wives. And so we, as husbands, will misinterpret our wives' feelings and even their opinions or their suggestions because we're thinking through our own understanding of these things and we just, just, there's no connection here. It takes careful thought and deliberate action for a husband to be considerate of their wives. It's hard work. Here's a, an, one husband who might be considered considerate, <laughs> right? Husbands and wives are partners. They're not like housemates that just kind of do their own lives and whatever. No. But verse 7 is often seen here in a negative light from today's point of view because of how Peter describes wives as the weaker partner. Did you pick that up? Ladies? <laughs> Usually the ladies pick that up, yeah. Uh, and the guys are like, yeah, of course, yeah, we can partner, you know. But when we understand that women in the time of this letter was written, uh, the letter, in no real way, these women had any protection on themselves. They had no recourse on their own. They were dependent totally on the men in their lives. So a woman would be under the authority and protection of their dad, before they're married, and then after they're married, they'd be under the authority and protection of their husband. That was just the way of things in that time period, not like today. And wives were often mistreated and abused by men, whether it be their dads or their husbands. Uh, They had no recourse, no power, and most of the times, wives were physically weaker than husbands, which is, you know, in general, it's not always the case, but in general, men are stronger than women. Um, physically, I'm saying. So this description here, as the weaker partner, did not refer to intelligence or value or ability or competence. No, it's just talking about weaker in the sense of that culture and physically in general. And actually, Peter's words here were radical when taken in context with this whole verse, 7. So let's look at that. He said after this, treat them with respect as the weaker partner 
and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. This was so radical for husbands to be commanded to consider and cons- be considerate of their wives and treat them with respect and consider them as heirs with them of the gracious gift of life. Heirs in that day and age were only men. Only men were inheritors of their family wealth or whatever. Not women. So think of the radical thinking. He's saying, first, respect them, can be considerate of them, and treat them like they're heirs with you. Whoa, wait a minute. This is too radical. You know, this is so radical for that day and age. Um, and it's based on the way that women are valued just as much as men in the eyes of God. And so that's why the Christian faith was so radical and people were persecuted for it and suffering. And so, in the same way that Jesus gave himself and suffered because of our need for a Savior, husbands are commanded, in a very real sense, to submit themselves to the needs and feelings and opinions of their wives. It doesn't mean we just obey everything they say, but we are being considerate of them. And that's the, the whole heart of the matter here. And this was radical. Well, what about this last part of verse 7? Right? That so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Well, this means that when husbands and, uh, are not being considered to their wives, you can imagine, and we've all experienced it with our own parents, or if we're married, we've experienced it ourselves uh, or in relationships, uh, is that then there's, this ten- there's tension, there's conflict, there's not this warm, cuzzy, warm, cuddly feeling when one person's not being considerate of the other. And so that practically, this means that husbands and wives are not praying together for there may be dissension between them. You know, I don't want to pray with him. Whatever, he doesn't think of me, that kind of thing. And he would say, I don't want to pray with her, <laughs> right? But spiritually, this also means the husband's heart is not in the right place with the Lord because he's not being considerate. He's not thinking of the other. He's only thinking of himself. He's stuck on his own thinking about himself. Me, 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 it's all about me. Now let's admit In general, submission is something we all resist. It doesn't matter if we're husbands or wives or children or parents or whatever, employee, employer. We we resist submission and we want to do things our way, but out of our submission to God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ and his spirit who dwells within us individually and as a corporate body, you see, when we submit out of reverence to Christ, then it is an act of worship that we're actually participating in, giving worth to our Lord God who has ultimate authority because no matter how bad things are in our relationships or how bad things are in the world or with our friends or whatever it may be, we can submit because we know God is ultimately, he's got it. And I am going to trust him. For revenge, I'm going to trust him to make things right ultimately, whatever it may be. And so therefore, we can submit to the human authorities or whoever's in authority over us in life. And all praise be to him because he's in control. So wives, husbands, children, brothers and sisters in Christ, in the same way as Jesus, let us submit to one another out of our worship of the Lord God. Let's pray.
We are so grateful, Lord, for your truth. And not only you, the truth, but how you have preserved for us uh, these practical instructions on how to live in the power of your spirit and how to evaluate where we are off, where we are straying, so that your truth can reveal the wicked ways within us. And if we're children, Lord, help us to realize if we are sinfully rebelling against the authority of our parents. If we're wives and husbands, let us consider how we are dishonoring you by the way we treat each other according to these instructions. If we are employees, how we do not submit or are not submitting to our employer or our, our government authorities, Lord. We know we ultimately submit to you and your authority, and we will never do what is wrong against your truth. But we will submit to the punishment maybe unjustly we receive because we follow you. And so, Lord, we pray for the strength to do this, but in doing so that by our good deeds, by the way we live, others will be pointed to you and see your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.